doing real good, man. I, mean, I, I, I had, I was getting a little concerned with you, man. I, uh, look at that. You, you know, you're the only one who ever got one of them. How's that possible? <laughs> no, it's, it's not. It's unreal. In fact, it's, it's spooky. It's supernatural. There you go. Man, I was, I was getting worried, man. I, I thought maybe, like maybe a, a Nutcracker, a little Chucky doll or something was chasing you around the computer and you couldn't log in. No, AOL is on, uh, the home PC. So I'm running back and forth between the home PC uh-huh. and my office laptop, which can do Zooming on Gmail. Uh-huh. So un- until I got it on, on the Gmail, I wasn't able to connect. Okay. Hey, I got, I got a question for you. Uh, now, we, we refer to you as, as Crip Master Chucky. Yes. Um, I'm going to reverse that, a.k.a. Charles Rosny. But, but you, do you do any Crip keeping? I mean, are you masters of the, of the Crips? That's a, it's a persona, like a horror host, uh-huh. you know? So if I do conventions and I dress up in, uh, and look like this, it's Crip Master Chucky. Uh-huh. I saw that. Wow. That, yeah. seemed, that's, that seemed like an av- that, that, that That makeup was done so well, I thought that was an avatar. Oh, wow. No, that was, uh, that's my own makeup, yeah. Well, well uh, what got you started into, into horror? What got me started is my mom forcing me to watch Bride of Frankenstein on the Million Dollar Movie <laughs> back when I was a, a wee little one. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, t- it took a while, but I fell in love with it and couldn't stop. You know, it, was, it wasn't horror then. It was monsters. You know, we called mm-hmm. them monster movies. And I was hooked. And I've always loved the three things I've loved growing up. The Beatles, you know, rock and roll. Right. Uh, uh, monster movies, all the scary stuff, and baseball. <laughs> well, uh, how how does the Beatles fit in in that? Um, you know what? I always said the first my first memory in life was seeing the Beatles on Ed Sullivan, and that I was really hooked at that point. But when I wrote the book, I realized that watching Bride of Frankenstein with my mom was probably the first memory in life. That was that that was before it. But those were the two indelible, you know, memories that just stuck with me. And I don't know, man, you know, if you love something so much as a kid, it's usually either you grow out of it or it sticks with you. I didn't grow out of it. It stuck with me on both of them. Hey, somebody somebody asked if you'd hold that cup up again. All right. (laughs) Wow. Bring back the memories right there. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Love it. Yeah, hey, so, so, I mean, you know, I mean, I can easily see a segue from the Beatles to, to horror because you got, I mean, Paul's dead, right? And we got a zombies took his place. There you go. <laughs> Someone took Paul's place when he died, right? That's, if you believe that, then there is a connection there. But you know what? If you watch Yellow Submarine, Frankenstein's in the movie, and then he turns into John Lennon. You know, there's a there's a, a lot of you know you got to reach for them. A lot of six degree separations mm-hmm. of uh, connections between them. But you know, it's just uh, loving two separate, completely separate things. And uh, I've turned both of those things into you know not not just my my love and passions, but mm-hmm. some of the things I do you know for a living involve you know the Dracula tours and the Beatle tours, mm-hmm. and I've been doing those for a long time. Well, I would say you know something about the Beatles. Um... Like, say, perhaps this magazine here? Wow, that's very impressive. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny because people would say forever, when are you going to write a book? When are you going to write a book? 
and I published Good Day Sunshine for nearly two decades. And, you know, some of those were 80 pages, 100 pages. And I would say, man, I'm doing a book every other month. I'm doing six books a year. I've done hundreds of them. I'm not ever doing a book. And they would say, you know, well, you got to do a Beatles book. You got to do a book about, you know, your, your entertainment field. And I said, no, nah, but the horror book was really what was in my blood. And that's what we put out first. Mm-hmm. Um Maybe you could sell an ongoing argument, uh, Beetle fan myself, arguing here with with the with the people watching the program. We got some naysayers out there, Chucky, to say um, where it says I buried Paul. They stand. It's cranberry sauce. Which is it? So it could be one of three things. It could either be I buried Paul, or I'm very bored, or cranberry sauce which is sounds like the furthest of the three right no, it sure does <laughs> I uh, uh, I, i'm guessing that it was i buried paul but that afterwards you know they didn't want to you know mm-hmm. it wasn't really cool that lennon would have said you know i buried mm-hmm. paul so they came up with a different uh translation of it but well, it's you- not just that it's you turn you put stuff on backwards and you're going to hear Turn me on, dead man. Turn me on, dead man. There's a lot of creepy stuff that are connected to the Paul McCartney death clues. That could be a whole mm-hmm. special. We can do a whole show on just that. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, you, you got uh, you got the Abbey Road where you we got George Harrison's the Crypt Keeper, isn't he? <laughs> well, you know, we've been going to Abbey Road, Penny Lane, Strawberry Field since the 80s, mm-hmm. since 83. We've been doing mm-hmm. it every single year, a magical history tour. And, uh, you know, I had a partner who since passed. His name was Danny. He said, what else do you love? What other tours can we do? And I said, well, you know, I love the monster stuff, but ain't no way we can figure out how to get to a third world country like Romania. And he said, yeah, of course we could. And we did the research. We found all the castles. We found where Vlad was buried, where he was born. We were able to connect, uh, as you know, from our interview years ago, the legend of Dracula, the fiction, the novel, uh, Bram Stoker's great, you know, book, mm-hmm. together with the history and the and the the truth, the the accuracy of Vlad, Vlad Tepish, Vlad the Impaler, and it makes for just the most amazing trip. You know, we've been doing that since the '90s. People, you say there's no business where you're going to get 100% satisfaction, right? Mm-hmm. If you're a car dealer, if you're a radio DJ, no matter what you do, right? Mm-hmm. We get a hundred percent satisfaction people who go on these tours just have the greatest time and i think it's because it's a shared love and it's some places that people thought you know they dreamed about going all their lives and thought they'd never go to transylvania never go to liverpool and you know we make it happen and it's very special Mm, okay all right we've got a number of people watching the program and by the way welcome in the live chat roxy there uh rose says um uh crip what does the what, what do you think about them saying Dracula really existed and is related to some famous people. So, you know, I guess if you're stretching it, you can say a Dracula existed, Dracula meaning dragon. Uh, Vlad was called, you know, the evil dragon. Dracul is how we say it in Romania. Um, So there's a connection. It's A, B, C, D, the six degrees of separation between Dracula and Vlad. But he was never a vampire. He impaled people, you know, he let the blood drip out and he was evil and he had, you know, a lot of 
man, you know, in, in those days, you showed your enemy how you felt. And to his country, he was a great, great, you know, he was a great leader. But, uh, you know, the people who we uh, <laughs> impaled and did nasty stuff to, yeah, it's probably worse than a vampire could have well, done. Well, what is it with the Vlad? Because right now, Vladimir Putin is impaling Ukraine. So what is it about Vlad? Is that some kind of secret code? Oh, man, I don't know. We're, they, maybe they're getting impaled over there, bro. We're cracking something. I don't think that's a very popular name. I can't imagine a lot of moms naming their kids Vlad. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it was a, it was very much of an Eastern European name, a very much of a Russian, Romanian, that part of the world name. Uh, so it was very common, actually. You know, <laughs> Vlad, uh, Radu, there's certain names that are like, you know, like John, like Dan, they're just, they're so common, but less and less, obviously. Mm. I, and I think I mentioned this to you last time, but I'll bring bring it up again. We were talking about Dracula, vampires and, and such, but in, in, in the literal sense, there are evidences of something of that nature. And one of those is the way that the early Europeans, particularly maybe even Transylvania, would bury people by putting, and they would bury them and they put a brick in their jaw. Did I discuss that with you last time? No, that's interesting. You know, also in that part of a country, when they believed someone was a witch and they buried them, they would bury them with actual uh, either chains or, or metal bars mm -hmm. or iron, you know, bars mm -hmm. over the, in the fear that someday they'll find a way to get out, mm -hmm. uh, you know, um, but the brick, that's interesting. What's yeah. the, what it, what's the, um, the, 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 yeah, the, no, they found, I don't know how many, maybe hundreds of them, but the, the bricks, in the mouth of the skull is to prevent the deceased from rising and biting someone, biting the living. They believe that the brick in the mouth would prevent that. And so Google that, man. Put that in your put that in your repertoire. And Google that. It sure would. You know, um, it's it's so much. It's I love folklore. I love stuff like that. And you know, when you go to Vlad's. Um, Burial place, Snagoff Monastery. It's it's not far from Liverpool, from Liverpool, from Transylvania. And you, that's Vlad calling now. <laughs> Vlad, sorry, we cannot talk to Get you. Get him on the conference call. <laughs> what I was going to say is, um, when you go there, uh, it's a beautiful monastery. It's been redone. It's on a farm. There's a crazy. Uh, I don't want to say crypt keeper, but mm -hmm. there's a crazy uh, guy who who runs it, and. Um, what they did is they unearthed the grave some years back and they didn't find human bones. They found animal bones there and everything was there except a head. And so it was believed that when they bur buried Vlad, they buried him separately. They buried his head mm -hmm. somewhere and mm -hmm. then his body bones elsewhere. Mm -hmm. But even atop that, they didn't bury him where they said he was buried. They buried animal bones there to keep it even. So there's no way anybody would have accidentally or purposely put all the bones together and him possibly come back to life. Mm. And that, that theme of, of beheading people goes into the, that movie series called Highlander. The only way to kill a Highlander was to remove the head. But in, in, in ancient civilizations, removing the head was quite the, the the thing to do and uh, now of course you get to the Egyptians and and they what they would like to do in a, in, a, in a gory type of way they would get their enemies and they'd have this like this drill saw looking thing and their live victims they shut up the nose 
it would go into the brain and they would mix it around till the brain dripped out into and then they would drink that to get the knowledge uh, so there's in, in civilizations there's a, a long history of, of, of weird and some would say satanic but they didn't know it better they thought they thought that was the way to win over their enemies of course you know in the Aztecs and those those they would rip a, a beating heart out of somebody and uh, the conquistadors went in the Spanish when they saw that they, they just couldn't believe that such bloodthirstiness was going on but uh, of course now now today they've rewritten history and saying well you know they was all nice people and so what if they ripped out beating hearts you know they, we had Christopher Columbus didn't have any right to take the gold but I don't know, it sounds like everybody's wrong on all fronts, but let's move it on. Um, Freely Speaking says, are you familiar with Rob Zombie's House of a Thousand Corpses, and do you like his style of horror? Well, I, I happen to love that movie, and, you know, it's it's got Sid Haig in it, and it's got Bill Mosley, it's got some really great people. Um, I, I'm not quite sure I'm as enamored with Rob Zombie's do-overs like Halloween, and if I'm not mistaken, he's going to be doing a Monsters one, and I got my fingers crossed. Um, I tend to like Rob Zombie's original stuff, Three from Hell and, and Corpses and all those. Yeah, I, I love that stuff. And it's, but given my preference, I'd rather see a thriller, something psychological. I don't need slashing. I don't need, you know, porn, torture, horror. You know, that's not my favorite genre, mm -hmm. but I will see it because I feel, I don't know if it's obligation, Dan. I don't know what it is, but I feel I have to see every horror movie when it comes out. Uh, it's part of my makeup. Wait, wait, and, wait, uh, wait, wait. Did you did you say you love a good corpse? Don't we all love a good corpse? Okay, that's all I thought you said. <laughs> wow. Okay. You're, no, you're, no, no, no. You we're, just... we're not getting into necrophilia. Here. Okay, okay, not, okay, okay. Part of the discussion. Okay, no, we're not. And, you know, and that's the thing. I agree with you on what you, with the underlying tone there, and that is a good story. You don't necessarily have to have the really disgusting bloodletting and how many ways can you butcher a human being. Right. If extremely graphic close-ups. To me, that just says you're lacking a story, and you're trying to you – could, you could have a good story not and, and depict the same event Without ever showing it, if your storyline, if your story writers are good enough, and so you know, the same thing with sex. I mean, you know, if if, if you're lacking of a good story, you're gonna put some nude in there, you know, put put a top shot or whatever. Who knows what, you know? Is that something? Is that all you got? How about tell me a story and take me away, take me to? That's the point of book. That's why we read books. That's why we watch magazines. You know, yeah. or, did I say watch magazines. See, I went, yeah, I, went I went Joe Biden on you. Uh, did he just <laughs> say that? <laughs> or I'm playing that backwards because of the Mandela effect. But but hey, so uh, a book of uh, the top hundred horrors. What's what's going on with that? Well, see, it's funny because you, you mentioned you know the the slasher, the killing movies, mm -hmm. and then you look at the cover of my book, the book of top ten horror lists, and we've got Karloff. And, you know, the only real, I don't know, I, I guess George Romero, A Night of the Living Dead, is as close, or Pennywise, it, is as close we, as we come to the modern horrors, because, you know, this is my favorites, you know, Lon Chaney and, and Bella and Boris. Anyway, um, what I did is I got 100 celebrities to give me their top 10 favorite horror themes. And it was favorite horror movies, favorite horror actors, favorite scenes in horror movies, favorite nude scenes in horror movies, favorite soundtracks. And really, we got amazing, amazing feedback from people like, you should rest in peace, Ed Asner, 
uh, William Shatner, one of the monkeys, one of the Beatles, one of the monsters, Ruth Buzzy. I could go on and on, you know, scream queens and horror icons and actors and rock stars. There's like six rock and roll hall of famers. There's a baseball hall of famer and they all gave me their lists plus reasons why they picked each of the top 10 that they picked. And this took me a long time to put together, but very, very proud of it. And people are just loving it. The reviews on Amazon are great. And uh, the feedback I'm getting from the people just through the roof. Mm-hmm. Well, every, everybody likes a top 100 list. I mean, I, I certainly do. You know, I'm always looking what's trending on Twitter. Yeah. I don't know. That's, that's a horror show right there anyway. <laughs> well, top 10 lists. They're short, they're fun. You could read one and then put down the book and get to it the next day. You don't have to do a, you know, a mm-hmm. 300 page sit through. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's people gonna just love looking up and seeing if their favorite movies match William Shatner's favorite movie or you know, whoever mm-hmm. the celebrity is that they happen to be on their page. Uh, it's fun, it's fun doing that. What we did at the end is we listed all the movies that were picked in the book and which celebrities pick them. So there's a great reference. If you love Psycho, you can go through the list and say, oh, wow, this guy picked it, she picked it, they picked it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we also did a top 10 of the top 10. So we took of all the lists, we picked who, which films were voted the most. So Mm -hmm. which was number one, two, three, four. Can you guess what came in number one in the book of top 10 horror lists? I'm gonna guess um, The Shining. It's in the top 10, but not number one. Hang, hang on, man. Let's let's play this thing. The question the question is, what's the number one horror movie? Of the 100 celebrities. Of the 100. <clears throat> okay. To the book. So we did okay. a top 10 of all the top 10s. And I will tell you, The Shining came in third. Well, thank you very much. I know I'm just that good. All right. People watching the program, you're watching uh, Master Chucky here. We're talking about what is the number one horror movie that came in on his top 100 list. So people in the live chat, we're not, and we're, so don't tell a crit master until some people start logging. I'll see it. I'm watching the chat. So what, what do you think the number one horror show is? And we're talking about, I was talking about how it didn't have to be gruesome. When you, and when you mentioned Psycho, wasn't that with the combination of the music and the knife, but if my recall, you never see the knife going in, right? Never. Your never mind fills, see, that's the genius of that. Your mind fills that in. Hitchcock was brilliant. I mean, yeah. there's so many cases of that mm-hmm. where, you know, the, 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 the imagination is so much greater than it's just seeing the actuality. You know, the actuality is easy. You know, you can always show it. But to have, you know, how many, how many people wouldn't go into showers after Psycho for so many <laughs> wow, years? Probably a lot. How many, how many people wouldn't go into the water after Jaws? You know, there's certain movies, if they have that kind of effect, that's pretty brilliant, you know. Okay, so uh, if somebody hits it, you will stop it and just go with it. Uh, we've got one that says The Exorcist. Who who said it? Let's give them the credit. Okay, it looks like Jade, the moder- the our moderator said it. Number uh, one. All right. Exorcist. And then Cycle Two, Shining Three. All right. And then uh, uh, another lady, uh, Azur, said it was the Exorcist. So people clubbed. Now, now here's one. Truth and Treasure said The Blob. And, the Blob. Uh, the blob is definitely in the move in this book. Now, it is it, now. Here's the thing about here's the thing about the blob, uh, Crip. Um, it was a little tacky, cheesy. But but, but watching this scared the crap out of me, of coming through the vents and whatnot. As kids, 
certain things, you know, that we look at now and see them as campy and cheesy and corny. And how could it have scared us then? It scared us then, you know? I mean, Dracula in its day was so scary and so atmospheric. And if you watch it now, it's slow moving and it's, yeah, it's creepy, but he's not, you know, you're not getting scared of this guy. (laughs) Um, Mm. And I think it's generational. You know, Mm. there's some, uh, that's why the exorcist came in number one, you know, whatever, how many years old it is, it still freaks you out. It's still scary. And there's not a lot of movies that scare you, you know, uh, the way certain movies do. But I think it's whatever you grow up with. You know, we talked about in the beginning of the show, I grew up with the Beatles. I grew up with monsters. So I've loved that all my life. People who grew up with disco or new wave <laughs> will love that stuff. And people who grew up with the shining and the exorcist, that'll be theirs. My kids grew up with, uh, you know, um, um, mama and, and the orphan, <laughs> you know, so there's a whole another generation of films that they love because when, that's who they, that's what they grew up with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, another good storyteller is M. Night Shyamalan. Is that the a say that right? The best. Uh, and- Sixth Sense has got to be one of the most brilliant films ever made. I don't know if he's lived up to that. Mm-hmm. You know, he's done a lot of other great films. But that ranks up there. That and The Others are the two films. Mm, yeah. If you haven't seen it and you don't know that there's a trick ending, but most of us do. Yeah. Uh, it's Those are just jaw-dropping movies. Mm-hmm. No, I, time- I, I love The Others. I, I absolutely agree. And the way they they, they, they rode you along the whole way until you're, you find out it's the exact opposite of what was going on. So I love that. Another, one, really- another one of his movies uh, uh, is Signs. Science is good, yeah. Okay, now what 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 is? Let me ask you, what is science about? What is it about? It's about aliens, right? No, trick question. Tell me, please. It's not about aliens, and it took me watching it three times to find out what it was about. What it is actually about is that life has a purpose, and random events mean something. They use the alien theme as the carrier. But if you think about it, the very the everything in the movie that seemed odd and peculiar came to fruition at the very end. And we were watching aliens say, well, they're alien here. They're going to battle aliens over there. And there's crop signs. But then in the midst of that, you had the little boy who had an asthma problem. The little girl, every time she had a glass of water, she said there, there's amoebas in it. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, and then uh, his brother who struck out, you know, and he couldn't play baseball, but he could swing a bat. At the, yeah, yeah. Ver- at the very end of the movie, it all came together. And, and then the, the priest, the father, who lost his faith, thinking in the beginning that when his wife was killed by M. Night Shalahan, the guy in the movie, that that all events are just random and there is no God. But the carrier was the was the, the alien. So at the very end, the, the alien tries to kill the boy, but he can't because he has an asthma attack. The little girl spills the water on him and burns him to death and there's a bat on the wall where he takes it and swings and hits that so all the events came to head of why each thing has happened to each person in their life and the end result was life has a meeting and there's a divine more or less purpose but the carrier is the alien thing and if not if you don't catch that and i, t- I didn't catch it to the th- to about third movie that's what it, the movie is really about i have to watch it again and i don't know if i'm more impressed that you caught that and I did it, or that you could pronounce M M Knight's name. That's more. <laughs> to me. 
That, that's a, that I, I probably butchered, butchered it myself. All right. Hey, let's get to another question for you, Charles. And uh, we got this coming in here. Uh, this is from Bear. Uh, did the original The Fly make your list? Well, it made some, I mean, not me personally, but I'll tell you exactly. Let's let's look and see who picked The Fly. It's a great question. And we can do that. You know, it's fun to do that. The Fly, 1958, of course. Little Anthony from Little Anthony and the Imperials mm -hmm. picked it. Mm -hmm. Don Grady from My Three Sons. Murray Langston, you know who that is? No. He, he's the unknown comic. He used to come on uh, the Gong Show with the with the <laughs> with the bag. Uh, Gary Puckett from Gary Puckett yeah. and, you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and Gary Von Sayak, who was. Uh, John Lennon's guitarist in The Elephant's Memory. So one, two, three, four, five people picked the original Fly. And one person, country uh, music star Tim Atwood, picked the remake of The Fly with Jeff Goldblum, 1986. That's the fun of this, you know, is seeing who picked what. Um, but yeah, The Fly definitely was picked a bunch of times. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um Life Station Express says, my husband Richard wants to know what you thought of Phantasm. Wow. So I know that Phantasm has an incredible following and there were multiple films and Roger Barrister, he was a great villain, great, you know, uh, uh, horror, horror monster, to, so to speak. I loved the first one and I thought it was diluted as it went. But, you know, I, you just think of that thing flying at you and all that phantasm has its own really big core of, of followers who just love that film. You know, there's certain films, Suspiria is another one, Carnival of Souls, you know, um, that never really made it to that mainstream. Oh, this is one of the best horror movies ever, but the people who love those films love them ra rabidly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. And we have this here. Uh, from Put Yahweh First is, what is your favorite baseball team? His is the Cardinals. Uh, well, he's probably a St. Louis guy if he's saying that. I'm a Mets fan. I was born in the Bronx, went to see a lot of Yankee games growing up, but dad was a Dodger fan and went to see them in Brooklyn. And when they moved to L.A. and the Mets came in, uh, we we became Mets fans. So I follow the Mets to this day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we mentioned the Beatles and, and uh, you briefly said something about the monkeys. And I seem to have sent you an email with monkeys in the name. Uh, are you doing something with the monkeys? So interestingly enough, you know, the Beatles are the top. They're the, you know, the, you can't get any higher. But for me, the monkeys were always second. When I was a kid, and, you know, the Beatles were putting out Sgt. Pepper and the White Album. It was a little over my head, I'll be honest. So I was still listening to AM radio. And to AM, and to me, the Monkees were the closest thing to the Beatles. And for years, they weren't, they weren't cool. You know that. You know, mm -hmm. no, one, no one gave the Monkees any respect. Right, right. They reunited in the 80s, and it became a little cooler. But I've always been an apologist for the Monkees. I became very close with all the guys, Davey and Peter especially, uh, again, you know, wherever they are, bless their souls. Um, I, uh, I produced Beatle conventions and monkeys conventions through the years. And uh, mm -hmm. just, you know, that's what's your what's your favorite monkey song? Uh, growing up, believe it or not, my favorite song of all time wasn't a Beatles song. It was a monkey song. And it was Daydream Believer. Mm -hmm. um, and, and now it tends to go towards uh, Shades of Grey. 
mm-hmm. or um, or Randy Scouse Git. Those are the two songs that I tend to mm-hmm. play a heck of a lot more than uh, Daydream Believer. Mm-hmm. You know, it gets to a point where you know songs so well, you know, and you just can't, not, not that you can't listen to them anymore, but maybe they don't have that, you know, that sexiness that they did. You know, I, I'm mm-hmm. like that with Get Back and Come Together. There's a few Beatles songs that when they come on, I'm, I, I flip to the next one. And I know they're great, and I and, and I know their brilliance. And the same thing with Daydream Believer. Maybe you hear them just too many times that you just click over. I'm not that way with, with films. You could mm-hmm. put on Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, and I'll watch it over and over and over. Mm-hmm. And you can put on certain things, and, man, I am going to listen to it. But that's one of the situations with songs mm-hmm. where, you know, I got I to gotta take a break from it for a while. I would go with the last train to Clarksville, and I kind of I kind of see that as a composite of uh, 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 the Beatles song um, "A Ticket to Ride." But let me ask you something: Did um, did the monkeys always play those instruments? Well, first let me give you a tidbit about "Last Train to Clarksville." It was written by Bobby Hart and Tommy Boyce, Boyce and Hart, who wrote a lot of their stuff. And that was written as a, a war pro- protest song. You don't even realize, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. it's not that it's so much a love song, but I'm taking the last train to Clarksville. I'll meet you at the station. I'll be there. For, I, I'm hoping that I'm coming home from war. I mean, this is a brilliant song. Uh, it's It's got that other level of the, besides being a great pop culture song. Um, the, the question isn't whether the monkeys played their instruments um, because Years later, they toured. Obviously, they're a real band, you know, and they all were very, very uh, accomplished musicians, especially mm-hmm. Peter Tork and Mike Nesmith. The question was, did the Beach Boys, did the Mamas and the Papas, you can go down the list, the grassroots, none of those bands. It was it was the Wrecking Crew. They had studio musicians play on those. There was too much invested in all those groups. It's only a handful, you know, the Beatles, the Turtles, the Raiders. There's only a handful of groups who actually played their own instruments on the records. You know, these record companies had. Hey, know, Charles, hey, Charles, I'm getting some kind of weird note on my on my Zoom. It's, it's demanding me to upgrade in about nine minutes. So if this thing shuts off, I'll call you right back. Oh, no problem. Sounds good. I think yeah. it might have something to do with Calendy. And I think there's a scheduling thing in there that. Try to intertwine that. 40-minute deal, right, and then we we re-up, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. I should have known better than that. I just thought I'd try it out. All right, here we go. Uh, Rose says, does garlic really scare off Dracula, and does a steak really kill Dracula? If not, what does kill him? (laughs) Rosie, Rosie, Rosie. It's really (laughs) funny. When we do our Dracula tours, I tell the people they should bring, you know, garlic and hang it from their windows every night, you know, to add to that mystique. Does it, if you shove a whole clove of garlic in anyone's mouth and seal their mouth, I think it's going to kill them. It will certainly bother a vampire, that's for sure. As far as a steak, a straight, a steak through the heart, that's going to do a number on anybody. <laughs> you know, maybe not Superman, maybe not a superhero, but it's definitely going to do the trick. The oh. fact that, you know, a silver bullet will kill a werewolf, a steak will kill, you know, a vampire. I just love it. It just adds the, to that little bit of lore and it gives that extra bit of, you know, it's it's cooler than, oh, well, you just shoot them and they'll die. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's what we said about, you know, chopping off a head. It's what, you know, getting, getting a zombies, they have to be shot in the head. You got to add that one little extra bit to make it unique. Okay, we've got this question here. 
Prince, this is from Freely Speak, it says, Prince Charles visited uh, Transylvania and said, Vlad is his cousin. Are the royals really vampires? I don't know, but that's a great question. <laughs> In all the years that I've gone to Romania, boy, a lot of political stuff comes up and a lot of, I, I never heard that before. But if uh, but if we're hearing it, it's it's possible. Yeah, it's possible. There's a connection there. Mm -hmm. Okay, and let's get to this question here. Uh, do you did you ever watch the movie Oculus, where the mirror is haunted? Love that movie. I have a poster of it here, actually. Oculus uh, was was one of those ones that just sneaked in and out of the theaters. Never got a lot of fanfare. I don't know if there was a glut of films at the time or why, but you know, before Conjuring got really big and before a lot of those movies got really, you know, well-known and had, I, I don't know why there wasn't an Oculus 2. It was certainly better than Ouija, certainly better than a lot of other films of its, I don't want to say genre, but of its time. Yeah, I liked Oculus. Mm -hmm. in, in reviewing all the, the horror movies that you obviously have and the research so very well done, especially in the book that you wrote, is there any movie that actually scared you more than just entertainment purposes? Like you left feeling maybe an attachment of some kind of negative energy? That is a great question. So the only movie that ever gave me nightmares, if we can you know, quantify it that way, um, may not be a horror movie. It's a film where Alan Arkin played an evil guy and Audrey Hepburn played the blind girl. And it's a film by the name of Wait Until Dark. And is it a horror movie? Well, yeah, I think any home invasion film is a horror movie. And that movie, I don't know why, but somehow I was young, obviously, came mm -hmm. home, went to bed and woke up, but didn't wake up. I was dreaming. And I thought people were breaking into my house. It was one of, you know how you have the flu sometimes and you don't know if you're awake mm -hmm. or asleep and you're, right. and that was one right. of those nights. It's the only film that ever gave me true nightmares. And, you know, <laughs> with all the horror movies I've seen and all the grotesque and, and slasher stuff, you would have thought that something else would have done it. But for some reason, that psychological thriller and that home invasion film did the trick. So uh, I hope that answered your question. Mm -hmm. But it was Wait Until Dark that was the only mm -hmm. one that gave me nightmares. I, I have I have one. It's kind of a, a sci-fi evil show, and it is called it that that did it for me. And uh, of course, everybody, somebody else may just enjoyed it. But Event Horizon, that movie yeah. there, that movie because it, the theme that for people who don't know, they sent a spaceship went into a black hole and it, and it went into it went into hell basically space hell and came back and it was alive and it was done well enough for me to think i'm starting you know I was, I was feeling some evil there i was thinking some evil i was getting some kind of baggage with that movie yeah. and uh, usually you know sci-fi haunted whatever but that one for me that that was a that was a and that was an event for me right there all right let's get to another question for you um is it true vampires don't have a reflection. If you believe in vampires, then you believe that they don't have a reflection. And shame on all those Twilight movies, because, you know, if those were vampires, they broke all the rules and, and you know, ruined, you know, vamp they that ruined vampire movies for a very long time. And the argument was always, well, yeah, but look, look how many young girls it brought in that would love 
vampire films. No, no, it set back vampire films a long way and zombies came in and took over for a while. Um, yeah, it's exactly right. If you're a vampire, you do not have a reflection in the water, in a mirror, you just do not have a reflection. Mm, okay, kind of kind of goes with the lore there. Uh, did you see the 79 movie Prophecy? Yeah, I don't remember it too well. Um, I definitely saw it, but for some reason, you know, it did it Event Horizon stuck in my mind a heck of a lot more. Prophecy, yeah. If you ask me even what the plot was, I don't remember. Mm -hmm. Probably something I, I got to revisit. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, let's uh, check in with the online poll that we have related to the show tonight. Who is Dracula? Choices are an oversized bat, a demon with sharp teeth, Count Chocula's cousin, a blood-sucking vampire, Boris Karloff, or the IRS demanding cash. Right? <laughs> <clears throat> and they all seem like they're Dracula's to me. Blood-sucking vampires. All right, so a demon with sharp teeth, number one. The IRS demanding cash is two. Count Chocula's cousin is in a tie with a blood-sucking vampire. Now, doesn't every horror show have some origin of truth? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I do think so. Certainly, haunting movies do. Um, working. My, my next book is called True Ghost Stories of Connecticut. And when I say, I emphasize that because um, I have three stories in the book um, and everybody who contributed to the book are either paranormal investigators or just common folk who had that one amazing experience that they share. And, you know, uh, the, 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 the encounters that I had, I can't explain them. Uh, and, and so is, is there a different reason why there's something? Yeah, but everything does have a basis. And I think there's a reason why Boris Karloff did not get any votes because mm -hmm. Bella would have, Bella Lugosi would have been the, the real good Dracula for that or Christopher Lee. They might've gotten some votes <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. I think there's a basis of truth in, in all and everything, whether it's, um, you know, uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, whether it's uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula or, or, or anything that the Lorraine and Ed Warren have given us through the conjurings and all that. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. So, so I'm born and raised in, in Indiana. So that makes me a Hoosier. And of course a Hoosier is people who say, who's your daddy? Or some people say it's a Kentuckian who got lost on his way to Michigan. So we don't know who the hell we're from or who the hell we are. But that being the case back in the, back in the early late 60s, 70s, we had this classic television show for, for horror shows the guy that ran it was named Sammy Terry. Have you ever heard of his name? No, but you know, every city had its horror host. In New York, it was Zachary. We still have Sven Gulli. My persona is uh, uh, Crypt Master Chucky. Um, and, and there's every city had him. Elvira is probably mm -hmm. the queen of those. And mm -hmm. it's just, you know, I wish they I wish they still had those because they made watching monster movies more fun. They added a dimension to that. Right. Mm -hmm. Hey, if we if we get disconnected, I'm going to call you right back. Right, 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 Hopefully right, I won't right. have that stupid message up there and I'm going to edit it out when I, when, when I edit the show. OK, so um, we got this question here. What about the 2001 movie Jeepers Creepers? I love Jeepers Creepers. And it's one of the few films that actually 
had some good sequels. You know, for me, Final Destination was another one of those where I would love the first one. And then the second one was just as good. You know, that whole mm-hmm. school bus scene with the kids. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Talk about Indiana. I had a great uh, experience in October in Fort Wayne. They oh. had a convention called DeadCon. It was the first one and a lot of really great guests. And um, I came and did a book signing there and I was on the author's panel and I am, I'm, I, I'm sworn on uh, Indiana. I had a great time and I don't know if that's a microcosm of the rest of the state, but uh, some great people down there. Okay. So we, so we got at least, we got at least a hundred monsters running around. Which monster is most likely to be under the bed? Which monster is, oh, oh my gosh, I can give you the, the real evil uh, answer. And that's, and that's the, uh, the uncle, the, the family uncle, who's, you know, who's the molester. That's the scariest <laughs> one. That is the freaking scariest one because the, the real, the real deal is what's scary, not the fictional stuff, yeah. you know, yeah, not, not any of that, you know, let's put, let's look at this cover. You got Frankenstein, you got Boris Karloff, Bela Lugosi, and then that third one is the mystery one. Mm-hmm. It's it's between Bela Lugosi as Dracula and Lon Chaney as the Wolfman. Mm. People who don't know, it's Lon Chaney Sr. as a vampire in a film called London After Midnight, which never came out. It's never been found. It's a lost film. And I think that, you know, Lon Chaney, who did all his own facial things without really adding any makeup. He would, you know, maybe blur some teeth mm-hmm. and, you know, do, make faces. But if he came out, out of everyone here, if he came out under the bed, I think that one would do, would, would put me on the ceiling. That's the one. Now, now for somebody who says that The Blob is their scariest movie, can you imagine a blob come running out? You know, say you're, you're stretching out, you lower your hand down, and all of a sudden it's in a pile of goo, and that goo starts to pull you down and, you know, pulling you under... You're you're almost under the bed, you know. I mean, and that's the thing. Once uh, Critmaster, Crit once the creature grabs you, where does he take you? So the blob would just consume you. You would become part of the blob. Mm-hmm. It's like um, uh, what's that? Um, oh, the Borg. Oh, the, killer, the killer plant. Uh, uh, Jack Nicholson is in the original, and then it became a musical, Little Shop of Horrors. Mm-hmm. Where, where does the plant take you? Well, if you look at the end, they're part of the plant. They're in the stem. They're all that. So I think the, that's what the blob does. Mm-hmm. And the fact that the blob gets bigger and bigger and bigger, there's always that, oh, my God, will he ever stop? Will it, will it ever stop? Will it continue to get bigger and bigger till it takes over the planet? <laughs> I see some Southern boy in the live chat said it would be, when you talk about uncles, it'd be Uncle Fester. Uncle Fester, the, the Chester Molester. Yes, exactly. that, definitely on there. Uh, welcome in the live chat, Roxy W, RJ, Dolly, D.S. Shelton, Tony uh, Fontenot. If you have a question for our guest tonight, just put them in the live chat. If you're watching on the website, the chat's on the left side. If you're watching on our YouTube streaming channel, it's on the right. Both of them are connected. So, well, so we're talking about all things monsters. And um, so now we got the monster under the bed, but we also know... Uh, Crip, that there's a monster in the closet. Now, what's that one most likely? That seems like somebody with an axe. I don't know. The monster in a closet. It, we're going to reverse that because one of the great scenes, and I'm not a big slasher, but I will respect the original John Carpenter Halloween. And when you put Jamie Lee Curtis in that closet, hiding 
from uh, from Michael Myers. That's that's the great closet scene. But you know what? Uh, you t- you talk about something as silly and fun and goofy as Monster Incorporated. You know, one of the early Pixar films. Uh, and what's brilliant is these comedy monsters lived off children's fears. And, you know, how do you turn such an evil concept of that into comedy, into a cartoon? And they actually did very successfully. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's that's what you're afraid of, right? Under mm-hmm. the bed and in the closet. So what I would do is um, I would put all my toys. I mean, I would fill that bed underneath so there was no room for anything. I would leave the closet open. And then, you know what? I felt mm-hmm. kind of safe, kind of safe. You know, there's always uh, you can always come through the that hole in the ceiling. Well, that's all, Crip Master. That that's all well and good until them toys start walking around. Okay, like a little Chucky doll. Suppose you. Well, of course, because that's what the toys were. They were my original Aurora monsters. My you know my famous fil- monsters of Filmland monsters. So mm-hmm. I was trying to keep monsters away by putting monsters under there. <laughs> um. And and what is it? I I. I we, I was thinking about the mask, and then I thought about the clowns. Is is it in the top hundred? Yeah, Stephen King's okay. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so who many, goes with that? Let's find out who goes with that one. So many people picked it. Yeah. Um, let's. I don't know if it's. Let me see. It's in the top ten of the top ten. So let me check. But yeah, that was a, a big one, and it was. Um, don't forget, it was. It came out twice. And both were brilliant. The first one was with Tim Curry as Pennywise. And um, you, 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 that stuff brings up a whole nother analysis because uh, along with all these other things, with the tours and the books and all mm-hmm. the things I do, you know, I, I owned and uh, founded and created some uh, a haunted house, one of these haunted attractions. It was called Fright Haven in Connecticut. I'm no longer running it. Um, but the clown house was like, you'd have the old fashioned haunted house. Mm-hmm. You'd have maybe a pitch black, you'd have, you know, a real high concept. And then you just fill the rooms with clowns and people wouldn't come in. They go, wait, you have clowns and they'd be too scared before they got in. I don't know what it is that scares people with clowns, you know, but whew, they sure get scared from those. Wow. Mm-hmm. There's a series I used to live right there in our background there, man. You talk about a monster movie show. That was great. Oh, I'm, I'm bowing to it. I loved Kolchak. Uh, Darren McGavin was just so perfectly cast. And, you know, it was, you call him the, the monster a week show. But that first one, the Night Stalker and then the Night Strangler, mm-hmm. that it was as good as, um, you know, as good as mm-hmm. any horror movie that was in the theaters. Mm-hmm. Those two were really. Well, well let me ask, did, did Kolchak actually ever capture a monster? Because- no. No, and did he and, and did he lead his um his editor to believe that, <laughs> that right they, that they existed? No, that was the great that was the great hook of that. It's just like Roy Thinnis in the Invaders, you know. Did he ever convince the rest of the world that we were invaded? You know, he knew that the the pinky he knew us how to how to identify a, 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 an alien, but no one else knew it except him. Kolchak mm-hmm. was great, and it and it combined you know, elements of comedy, 
with yeah. horror and you know the, sometimes those are the your favorite type of movies mm-hmm. right yeah the, there's always that com- comedy element in there and I, I just loved it like one time he's being chased by a zombie and he tricks him into going into water then he throws an electrical thing in the water and shocks him and so this is so much fun um freely speaking says what was the 80s movie the monster squad all about monster squad i recommend if any of our viewers or listeners have kids and they want to introduce them to monsters uh it's a great scenario where dracula comes into a town and he wants to take over with the wolfman and all that and frankenstein turns into the good guy frankenstein's actually the hero in it monster squad is great and i highly recommend it if you really mm-hmm. want to introduce your kids to horror don't don't show them the exorcist don't let that be the first one not house of uh, corpses not that one or even my mom you know brought me in with bride of frank's like bring them in with monster squad and you'll have them hooked <laughs> now i had to look it up because i i have a fear i yes i'm confessing it now people who watch the show know i i have a phobia uh, of nutcrackers, and I believe it. The the closest phobia description of that is called the automaton phobia, fear of human-like figures. Now the thing of it is, they got those gnarly teeth. All of them do. They're always standing by at Christmas time. They're kind of like standing there, but you know, at night these things are moving around, and you can easily see like a knife in their hand, like a little Chucky doll. Wow. Can't deal with them. Can't deal with them at all, Jeff. How how has there not been? A Nutcracker horror series. How has there not been a franchise of that? My gosh. You know, when we used to do uh, Fright Haven, the haunted house, one of my favorite scares, we had a guy uh, on stilts, sort of Nutcracker-esque, and he would just stand still, and people would walk by, and they'd look at him, and they'd keep walking, thinking he was part of our, you know, facade that was a statue. And all he would do is take that one step forward and you would see people fly, you know, mm-hmm. and, and a nutcracker would be a, a nice persona for mm-hmm. that. Yeah, and all in all though, um, there are some fun parts of this, but I mentioned are things based in reality, aren't all things based at some point of reality. Uh, I had, as you know, I've been doing this show since 2004, so thousands of interviews, whatnot. So I've talked to some people exorcist in general in that genre there's one guy came on the show and said that he walked into a room the, the people called him up said they the house needs exorcists they had dolls in the house is he said he walked in the room and there were dolls there and all those dolls were on a string and they turned and looked at him what is it about dolls i guess that's one type of thing there's some famous haunted dolls out there and I know I can't bring the names up, but I'm sure you're aware of those. Annabelle, Annabelle is one of the more famous ones. And, and yeah. I mean, there's people that have put cameras on them and seen them move. Yeah. So what is it about dolls that whatever entity is is inhabiting that form? Is it is it to reach us on a certain level of terror, or is it that it, it it's it's a configure it's a figure of a sort of a human p- person that is a shell closest to their entity being. That's definitely what it is. You know, if you believe that ghosts are energy, and I do believe that there is something there, and I do believe that 999% of it is positive, you know, but there is that one that could be, it could be, you know, you walk in a city and there's that one lunatic. So there's going to be one spirit that's going to be negative, that's going to be diabolical or demonic. Um, 
And what's an easy thing to get into? A wall is tough, you know, a floor is tough. Something that has a personification and a doll is probably the closest thing to that. Uh, you know, a puppet would also be that. Mm -hmm. um, I, I do, we haven't touched upon it, but I do paranormal investigations uh, with a partner and we're called the showman, the shaman and the showman. And he's the real deal. He's the shaman, he's an exorcist, he's an empath. Uh, you know, he walks into a room and he can tell you, oh, my God, uh, this is where somebody passed away about a year ago. You know, he has that power. I'm the showman. I'm the one who's, you know, yucking it up and bringing people to the events. Mm -hmm. Together, we produce Paracon, P-A-R-A-C-O-N-N, right. which isn't probably even in your notes. We produce Connecticut's uh, Paranormal Convention. And so I'm very, very now, for the first time in my life, after doing all these ghost tours and Dracula tours and all this, I'm really attuned to the paranormal like I never have been before. Mm -hmm. And I understand that there's people who, uh, you know, who, who, who are uh, conduits to that and can sense things. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a whole nother level of, you know, of, it's a sixth sense, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, and he has a collection of haunted artifacts and one of those is like the Jerry Mahoney. He has a Jerry Mahoney puppet, one of those little dolls. And he swears, you know, at any given night, it'll turn its head and look at him. Mm -hmm. It's fallen off its shelf for no mm -hmm. reason. Mm -hmm. uh, and he's yet to determine who the spirit is that's in it. But he's sure there's a spirit in it. Mm -hmm. I see Jade, our moderator in the live chat, uh, mentioned uh, Robert the Haunted Doll. That's a world famous haunted doll there. I think that's one of the ones that they filmed moving around at night. Um, but the dolls, and I see other people have said that dolls are, are, are a sort of a scary thing. So uh, the the entities that inhabit these inanimate objects, they, they yes. animate them, I guess, so, so to speak. Yes. There's a reality there. Do you ever feel like that they might want to... Uh, move some from an inanimate object to maybe a human being themselves? I'm sure they would love to. I really think so. You know, um, I did an investigation at uh, an old opera house. And, you know, before there was movie theaters, there were these opera houses and they were bur burlesque. What a, they would have shows. And every town, if you were on a train station, you would have a fancy hotel and you would have an opera house. And most of them have closed up. There's very few that are still around. Um, but we did an investigation in uh, Ansonia, Connecticut, in what was called the Ansonia Opera House. And I went with my partner, Nick, who's the shaman. And I, I get nothing. I, I feel no cold in areas where people are feeling different chills. I get no vibrations from the walls. But he told me to take a ton of pictures. And sure enough, we took one picture. I took a picture of a uh, doorway and never looked at my camera and my phone till I got home. And there's a figure in that doorway. And then he told me uh, an area of the opera house, not far from the stage where I should be taking a lot of pictures. He said he was getting all this energy, energy of people. Now, yes, why would an opera house be haunted? Why would theaters be haunted? Well, people once their bodies disappear and there's a soul that might be left over, maybe they go to places that gave them a lot of pleasure. And they're not there to do anything, uh, you know, in, in any kind of evil way. 
they're just still in a place where they had joy, where they had fun, where they had, you know, social activity. So when new people are coming in there, they don't understand that they're not part of that. So they're making themselves as visible as they can. Now they may not make that to the, to the naked eye and they may not make it to the layman like myself who doesn't have, you know, psychic abilities, but we've, I took pictures there and sure enough, there's these two entities just levitating across the room and they look like Nosferatu uh, um, uh, apparitions. And I'm putting them in the book because the photos are just so, wow, you drop your jaw when you see things that you just don't expect to see because you didn't see them at the time. And then they show up in film. So there's probably levels of that. And there's probably scenarios where they want to come back Mm -hmm. and they want to, whether they're in dolls or can somehow infest themselves in a human body. Yeah. You got to believe that Mm -hmm. that's what they would want to do. Well, you talk about showing up in film. Another type of thing that you can't see is is, uh, the orbs. Orbs always, people don't see them until they look at the pictures. And another one is electronic voice phenomena. I mean, I've I've heard it myself. And one of the classic ones is uh, uh, I, I don't want to I don't know if I told you last time, but you know I was in a graveyard and uh, me and my sons asked this we're out this grave and I said is is there anybody here? Nothing. And so we had the recorder going. We're walking away and just for kicks, laughs, and giggles, I just played back to nothing and says, "Is anybody here?" And clear as day, the voice said, "Turn around." And um, I didn't hear that. None of us heard, heard it. So there's something about that. So let me so. I'm thinking there's a, 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 I don't want, maybe a spiritual component, a negative component, um, invisibility thing going on here because you can't see it and things have to animate objects like dolls and clowns and nutcrackers. But doesn't mm-hmm. that mean there's a whole nother world that surrounds us? Perhaps. <laughs> that's, not, that's not necessarily a leap there, is it? No, I mean, you know, uh, I think that as we um, generations will go on and more people are have psychic abilities, I think that if there is that world, that it will come closer and we'll have an understanding of it. You know, you'd like to think that, you know, that when you pass on, you're going to rejoin loved ones, right? And you'd like to think that those loved ones are looking over us and they're with us and they're, you know, hopefully steering us in the right direction. Or if they're mm-hmm. evil, you know, maybe they're steering well, their, uh, their, their, their their offspring in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you would think so. Well, well Charles, let me ask you, uh, do you think that subconsciously in some way that you looking into horror and then, you know, then it verges into ghost pictures like you saw or maybe you'll see a haunted doll move or something. Do you think some innate thing in, in, in the back of your mind is, is, is actually looking for proof that there is an afterlife? No, 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 no. I always say that if there's something that wants to be found, it will find its way to, to show that and let it show it to the paranormal experts who will be able to deal with it better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm When I go out on these investigations, I think I'm there more as a reporter. I'm there more as someone who might someday write about it or take the picture. I'm chronicling it for others. 
I don't want to be that um, mm -hmm. the magnet for that. I don't mm -hmm. want to, mm -hmm. to have the experiences that other have. Well, so you, certainly, even, you, certainly, you certainly put a happy face to the whole genre. <laughs> so like you say, you, you are the consummate showman. That's, that's for that gun show. Anybody, you look, hey, I got it too, man, because I'm the cosmic cowboy and you're the crypt master Chucky. So I understand exactly where you're coming from, you know. And yeah. so, all right, let's get to a couple more questions before the show gets uh, too late here. Um, Constant Companion says, uh, Chuck, did Rear Window rank with any of your celebrities in the book? If it didn't, it's a disgrace that it didn't, because that film is up there with the best of Hitchcock's, and it's, it's studied in schools. Rear Window, only one person picked it. 1954 Rear Window by uh, with... with uh, with Jimmy Stewart and it, Barry Williams of the Brady Bunch oh. picked it. And I'm shocked that it didn't get more. But then again, you know, one of my favorite movies of all time wasn't picked by any. And then when I mentioned it, people said, huh, what is that movie? It's something called Phantom of the Paradise. And you probably never heard of it. It's a combination, mm -hmm. it's a, a rock horror musical. Uh, by Paul Williams, it combines Jekyll and Hyde, it combines Dorian Gray, and it combines um, Phantom of the Opera. And it's, a, to me, better than Rocky Horror Picture Show when you talk about horror rock musicals. And uh, so many, so few people have heard of it, and it didn't make the book. So the fact that Rear Window only got one vote, all right, there, as an excuse for that. You know, that's I, a great one. I think maybe the origin of my automaton phobia, that is the fear of nutcrackers, is can go back to the Twilight Zone. I can thank them for the classic Talking Tina doll. Are you familiar with that episode? Yes, very much so. And uh, the classic line... My name is Talking Tina. Wait a minute. Here, wait, hang on. Hang on. My name is Talking Tina, and I don't like you. Wow. That's scary. Yeah, and that guy, that guy I think it was Telly Savalas, man. He tried cutting that doll. He tried torching that doll, no matter what he did. And then that doll would be sitting there and all of a sudden just look at him, you know. That was scary. And, and you notice, you, you mentioned puppets. I don't know how many Twilight Zone have puppets in there that they're they're always animating their self coming at you. So I think that's probably the root cause. One of the best puppet horror movies did not make this book. Uh, it was one of Anthony Hopkins' first genre roles, a movie called Magic. And if, uh, if our uh, people paying attention to the show haven't seen it, it's worth finding. It's really special. Okay. Uh, Freely Speaking says, which serial killers based their killings on Dracula? Uh, you know, I guess there have been copycat versions of every killer. In London, uh, there was definitely someone who killed people by sucking their blood. Uh, he was the Highgate vampire and spent most of his time in, in the Highgate area of London, including the cemetery there. So, yeah, you know what? I'm sure. I'm sure every uh, serial killer had uh, had uh, inspiration for the way they decided to do it. And the fact that there's so many serial killer movies, I'm surprised and thankful that people haven't studied it mm -hmm. <laughs> and followed the, the films. What's, and, the, and, what, what's the psychological bent that causes us to be terrorized when somebody has a hockey mask on rather than, say, 
a ski mask or maybe the V mask. But the hockey mask, that does it for a lot of people, man. What is it about hockey? I mean, it's hockey. Yeah, is a serial killer, is he a hockey guy or what? I don't well, know. Well, why, why are we scared of that William Shatner or Michael Jackson mask from Halloween? It's the fact that Friday the 13th put it in our brains that Jason kills with the hockey mask. We weren't scared of hockey masks before then, believe mm -hmm. me. And there weren't that many hockey masks in the years that hockey started, you know, so mm -hmm. uh, that's 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 really the reason, you know, of just just the identification with the films. Something like Jason was the best thing ever happened to hockey. <laughs> uh, Rose says, "Have you ever watched Paranormal State?" No, is that I I don't Rose is that one of those TV shows like Ghost Adventures and all those? I have never watched any of them except Most Haunted which was one of the British shows. And I watched it because I have a dear friend, Richard Felix, who hosts when we do ghost tours to England, he hosts with me. So that's the only time I ever watched any of them to hear his input because, you know, he's very analytical of ghosts. And it's great when somebody does what Richard Felix does or what I do and go to these places and things happen, but we're still skeptical. You know, we still, yeah, it's happening, but there's got to be a reason. What's the reason? Mm. Right? Yeah. How about it's just creepy and there's some creepy stuff going on. All right. Uh, who's scarier, Kathy Bates in Misery or the Owl Doll in Ex Machina? Whoa. You've got some brilliant questions coming through. I'm going to say Kathy Bates because there's a lot of... Kathy Bates there. There's a lot of everyone who's a, who's a you know celebrity has to fear that fan, that super fan. Whether it's uh, you know um, Patton Oswalt in the movie he was in, the fan, whatever that was mm -hmm. with De Niro. You know, there's always that possibility that a fan will take it just too far. And I think the worst example of that, or the best as it as it might be, is John Lennon's fan. And whether he was a fan or not, or whether he was obsessed, or whether he heard voices in his head, mm -hmm. you know, that's that's the extreme, but that's the reality. And Kathy Bates, my God, did she play that perfectly? You know, anyone could have been in the James Conn role. Mm -hmm. And I've actually, and I actually saw there was a Broadway show of that uh, with Bruce Willis as the role of the author, um, and the actress was the gal from um, Roseanne, the sister. Uh, and it was, it was superbly played too. But, you know, we were talking so much about Alfred Hitchcock and we didn't even touch on Stephen King. And mm -hmm. uh, the, as far as I'm concerned, the greatest horror writer of all time. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the films click, sometimes they don't. Mm -hmm. But just uh, misery is up there with his genius. Yeah, well, she's not breaking legs. That That's Ooh. a... <laughs> uh, all right, so that's about, the, that's about the end of the questions list there. I think if anybody has any questions, put them in there. We're about ready to wrap this up. Well, uh, Cryptmaster, Crip uh, what's your what's your next project? You mentioned it earlier in the broadcast. What, what's going on? How can people get involved in what you do? So Too many things. So if they want to come with me to Transylvania on the Dracula Tour, it's www.dractours.com. What was it now? What was, what was it? They go somewhere and, and they fly or they fly there and meet you there or y'all go as a group? We normally will all meet in New York. That's usually the hub. People yeah. will come from all over the country. We meet in New York and we fly together as a group. 
uh, to Romania, to Bucharest, and we spend a week there, and it's it's the ultimate. It's just you know, if you, you when you think, is there really a Transylvania, or do you think people actually will go there on a tour? This is beyond. This is amazing. Yes, we do, mm -hmm. and we do it every Halloween. We spend mm -hmm. Halloween night in Dracula's castle. We visit Bram Castle, which is the one that you see in all the movies, and we visit Vlad's Poneri Castle, which was the real deal, where Vlad actually lived, where he, where his wife, you know, was thrown off and all that. Um, so that that's the ultimate. I also produced Paracon, P-A-R-A-C-O-N-N dot org, not dot com. It's the Connecticut Paranormal Convention, and this will be our second year. We're having it in July. The next project is True Ghost Stories of Connecticut, which is coming out in June. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, you can Google it. It'll be on Amazon. But the book that we've been pushing today is my first one. It's the book of top 10 horror lists. And you can look it up as book of top 10 horrorlists.com. Thank you. I have it backwards. You have it forward. Um, and if people, you know, write to the website, I'll send a autographed copy. People love getting an author's signature in a book. Um, and it's just not stopping every month. I'll do a, I do a paranormal investigation mm -hmm. as part of my shaman and showman uh, sh thing. Um, but it's very, very regional, very territorial. So if you're living in Connecticut, New York, Massachusetts, come join us. Otherwise, you know, visit our website and, and find out about all the things we do and enjoy it secondhand. Mm -hmm. Well, you're the happiest scary guy I know, man. <laughs> Do I give a good energy or what? I am so happy to be talking to you after how many years? 15 years, maybe? Yeah. 10 Long years? Long time. Long it's time. Great to be back. So, uh, you know, it's a Saturday night. It's uh, I, the, the last time we were supposed to be on, and tonight are the only two nights I'm not DJing. I'd be out doing a wedding. I'd be going and, and wow. entertaining people. So mm -hmm. I'm in. I'm still in that entertainment mode on a Saturday mm -hmm. night. That's right. what it is. Right, right. right. You'd be doing Thriller, right? This is Driller. Not likely, <laughs> but possibly. <laughs> hey, some, I'll tell you what, though. I was invited to a wedding, and they playing Thriller, and somehow they got me out there. Were you doing it? Were you yeah, doing oh it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Hey, can't put that past the Cosmic Cowboy. All right, well, Char Charles Rosenay, a.k.a. Crick Master Chucky, I appreciate you coming on the show tonight. So great. Let's not, you know, let's not wait another 10 years. This no, we, we can't. Man. We have too much fun. We'll get you back on the show. Thank you, my friend. Thank you so much. All right. Goodbye. All right, everybody. That was Crypt Master Chucky, a.k.a. Charles Rosenberg.